Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us. We're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good, Good, Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravelly slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first good, good, bad episode, Alligator Lake. Wherever you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there. And so it's like, I'll be honest, right now at this point in my life, I would never leave within an hour or two of my home if I could. And I'd probably, that's probably going to change at some point. But right now, that's like my reality. And I did not see that coming. Like, I I would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in five years. And so... It, it, all of us have to go through it. Like, oh, adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and what we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that. And two, <laughs> realizing everything you need is right here. You know, how many times have people told us that, but it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Okay. Gabe. Mm-hmm? Tell me about your hat. Okay. So, it started... Well, first it started off like this. <laughs> That's a very clean hat. Yes. Ended up like this. Oh, my gosh. And what is this? Describe to me how you've <laughs> fixed and repaired it. So, just I wailed it for a while. We covered it with duct tape, and we got it repaired. We put some. I covered the bill with some new fabric. Nice. And and all this cover Uh is where there used to be holes, and they also subbed that up. Oh, cool! And what's the orange? Is the is the orange tape too? What is that? Yeah, that's all. This is tape. Okay. Cool. And then you could see in the corner there's a little bear. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can still see the bear. That is cool. That's so neat. I like how that still, the bear survived through the whole <laughs> thing. So, Gabe, I'm curious, like, how long ago did you get that hat? Um, when did I get this? Um, when I was three. When you were three? How old are you now? Eight. Eight. Wow. So, has that hat gone on a lot of adventures? Yes. It has. What are some of your favorite adventures? It's going. I'm um, going to see my grandparents in Colorado. I'm going horseback riding. Going to Hawaii. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you had a good summer? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you do? Um, what? Went and go see my grandparents. Did you go hiking? Not really. More fishing. Did you catch? Did you catch fish? So I always catch a fish, so I don't know what it's like to not catch fish. How many fish do you catch? Like 24. What? 
<laughs> oh man, I gotta go fishing with you and your grandparents because I'll tell you what, I know what it's like to not catch fish. <laughs> What's the secret bait though? Gummy worms. What? That works? <laughs> Do you ever accidentally eat the gummy worm off your own hook? Have you caught yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> that could be a danger of using gummy, gummy worms as bait. That's true. <laughs> and why does that, ha- you know, like a lot of times when somebody has a piece of, of gear like that, right? A, a hat or a piece of clothing and it gets to that stage, they might say, oh, well, it's too old. It's too broken too torn up whatever it is right and they might throw it away but like yeah. why does this hat mean so much to you and why have you kept repairing it i think i just like i like when it feels comfy on my head and i don't want to get rid of it because i like the, the hat does i'm curious whether it has a special name like do you call it the like the bear hat or something like that nope i just call it hat <laughs> When we're keeping like hi, I'm just saying, where's my hat? Because my parents know that I'm going to probably be looking for this hat. Yeah. How long do you think you're going to have that hat for? I don't know. The guy who repaired it said I could have it for another five years. Whoa. How old will you be then? If I'm eight now, 13. 13. Think about all the adventures you're going to have by the time you're 13. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, Gabe, I hope you have an incredible start to school year. Thanks. That was Gabe Clapper. Thanks, Gabe, for sharing your story about your trucker hat. I hope you go many more places in that hat, Gabe. It got us thinking, though, like... We all have our version of Gabe's hat. You know, there's an item of clothing, right? Or a piece of gear that we've almost sort of bestowed meaning into. We've had like powerful experiences while we've been using it or something like that. And so today we wanted to kind of like get together and think about that. Think about those pieces of gear that can take us back in time, that can transport us to a period of when we were younger, you know, to a place, to a partnership. And... You know, those those stories can be really deep and really cool. And they are 100% irrational, but also wonderful. And we're going to dive in. We've got the crew here today. Welcome, everyone. Who's here? Cordelia. Lisi, I'm here. Skylar, I'm here. Hopefully you're here. (laughs) I don't know. I like it. It's like like roll call at school. (laughs) Lisi, here. Skylar, here. Becca, Cordelia, everyone is here. Awesome. Well, today we're here talking about gear love. We're going to share some of our stories with you guys, and then we want to hear yours. So if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you can comment, share, post about it, and tag us. You can send us an email, and you can record a two-minute voice memo and tell us your story. We know you've got some, and we want to hear them. I'm Fitzcall. I'm Cordelia Zars. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Lisa, you've got a kind of 
wild story about a special beverage <laughs> that basically allows you to tap into mutant powers, I feel like. Um, <laughs> how how did you come to possess Adam Andra's special send juice? The greatest climber in the world. And you have his secret formula. Talk to us about that. Well, a few years ago, Mike Doyle, who is a Canadian rock climber that lives and works here in Las Vegas, he was moving. He was he was moving from one house to another and he was cleaning out um, his liquor cabinet and he contacted me because I love to make cocktails and he comes over a lot for drinks. And Your so, cocktails are very good. Oh, thank you. Um, and he was like, hey, I have all this extra booze. Do you want it? And I was like, sure, great. So when he brought it over, one of the bottles he handed me was this stuff called Becherovka. And I think I'm saying that correctly. But it's it's basically this herbal bitter liqueur. It's typically drunk as a digestif and it's produced in the Czech Republic. And so I was like, what is this stuff? Why do you have this stuff? And he was like, well, in 2015, when I was working this route called Necessary Evil in the Virgin River Gorge, Adam Andra came to work the route with me. And he, of course, sent it second go. It's a 14C or 8C plus. It's really hard. <laughs> and apparently he brought this Czech liquor with him because he drinks a capful of it prior to red pointing, or at least he was doing that in 2015. I can't speak to what he's doing now, but yeah. So he takes a capful of this really herbally bitter <laughs> liqueur <laughs> that is not very high alcohol prior to trying to red point. So Mike Doyle gave this to me, not only because he was moving and he didn't have room for it, but also because I was projecting a route at the VRG at that time. And if anybody has been to the VRG, they know how soul crushing it is. And he thought it might help inspire me and help me descend. Um, it did not. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, did it inspire you though? I mean, at it least- did inspire me. <laughs> now I just kind of like pass it around at parties occasionally. And if I'm trying something really hard and I'm really nervous about it, I take it out with me and I drink a capful from it prior to trying to red point. I feel like if you like pass it around at parties, like everyone would just like turn into the Hulk pretty much or something like that. Like it just would be like tapping into the Adam Andra screaming you know, like <laughs> ah! guttural rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you shared? Has Has anyone uh, that you've shared it with at the crag like felt the impact and the effects of it, and and had an incredible day of climbing? Yeah, actually, um, there's been a few people that have taken a sip of it and been sent. I mean, I don't know if it's correlated. I haven't done a proper study, but it's it's actually I I have the bottle in my hand right now. And it's this kind of like tiny bottle and it's not good. It does not taste good. (laughs) How long ago was that, that you got that bottle? I got the bottle in 2020. Becca, I feel like you know how to do like the double blind study on that for us. Like, (laughs) like how that would like work out with like, well, I guess it's sort of hard to know whether you would send with or without it. Is it? Could you even study that? I don't know. I mean, I guess we could we could put something together. I'd have to try to get Adam Andre to get me more of it because there's not very much left at this point. <laughs> well, that kind of story it makes me think about 
items of gear that somehow become like a lucky token or a superstition in some way. Like I feel like we all have that piece of gear that's like, oh, if I don't bring this raincoat, then we're going to get we're going to get stormed on like crazy. Or if I don't have this special carabiner, I'm going to take a whipper. Um, oh, I totally had one of those. Like for climbing, there was like my piece of gear that whenever I was leading, it would just always come in handy. It just fit in the exact perfect spot. And so it was a green, green alien. And I think what I loved about it the most is because we were crack climbing a bunch then. And what I loved about it most is that you could place it vertically, but that you could also place it in a horizontal crack. And I don't know if it was the cracks in Sedona or or where, but it felt like that was like always kind of something. It was like, oh, this is where I want to be able to slot this in or when climbing like little finger cracks and it would just get smaller and smaller. And so for, on so many climbs, whenever I got in that moment where I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, okay, I need to put in a piece of gear. And it's like, I would look and be like, oh, the green alien is going to fit there perfectly. So that was my like, favorite, favorite piece. And it was my favorite piece. <laughs> This is the point where she throws me underneath the bus. This. And his climbing partner accidentally left it and it got lost. But I think it was a valid reason, Fitz. Well, like it's you make it sound like, oh, you like left it somewhere. And it's like, well, it did get it got left, but it got left like 25 pitches up El Cap in the middle of a blizzard while we were stressed out. And like. It, yes, it basically, and I regretted it that really quickly as well, too, because I remember there's just one of those moments on El Cap where we were trying to do it in a day. We were slowing down because we were kind of high up above the ground, and it was supposed to be good weather. It had been storming the few days before, and it was like finally supposed to break, and it was just like that one moment where you realize, like, uh-oh, something's happening, and you're starting to go faster and faster because you just know, and then like all of a sudden, like looking over at the rim and all of a sudden these clouds come down, they peel down the, the side of the um, one side of the valley and then they come up over the valley floor and then up El Cap. And then the next thing we know, it's like snowing and light hailing and then raining. And it's like somewhere in that we left our entire anchor in the wall and just like kept climbing and like, you know, it was dark out. And at that stage, like at some point I was like way run out and I was like, oh, this will be the perfect place for the green alien. And I was like, I don't have it. And then I was like, it's in the anchor two pitches below us. And at that stage, it was just, we were kind of in survival mode. And I apologize for the thousandth time. That's okay. <laughs> Beck, did your climbing suffer from like a, an anti-placebo? Like I don't have, yes. the, I don't have the green alien. I can't do this. It did. I stopped leading. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. Uh, no, I think eventually another company. The hard part about it was is that you couldn't. They stopped making the aliens, but eventually one of the other companies created something that was quite similar. So I was able to replace it. And I think it you got them for your birthday. Pieces. Yes, I think you did. It's like here. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. Oh, thanks for sharing. Does anyone else have a story of like a superstition related gear item? I've got a, a story of a, a precious gear item that became a sort of absurd project, I guess. I was spending some time over in Southeast Asia just backpacking around and I spent some time in Indonesia surfing. And while I was there, I was renting boards and they really weren't doing it for me. So 
I went ahead and hopped on one of my buddy's boards and it just felt spectacular. And I'd never ridden a board like that. It was a fishtail with only two fins. Um, I'd always been on quad fins or thrusters, and which is three fins. And so I decided I was going to have one of these like made for me while I was there because that's like not a big deal. It's easy to find people to make a board for you and they're pretty cheap. So I went ahead and did that and got a, a cheap twin fin fishtail made for me while I was over in Indonesia. And I'd, I'd say that's kind of where the story starts is when I rode his board, my friends, but then it really kicks off when I first went out and rode that board. It was on my last night in Bali and the sun was setting and I just really wanted to take this board out. So I paddle out into like this pretty inky black water because the sun's pretty low already. And I remember paddling into my first wave on it and it just like takes off. And I was hooked. I loved that board from that point on. Um, it traveled with me all through the rest of that trip, which was like down through all of the South Island and some of the North Island and New Zealand, a bit more of Southeast Asia. And I decided um, when COVID rolled in and I had to get out of there and get home, I decided to bring it with me. And it isn't necessarily hard to travel with a surfboard, but I would say that it's more difficult than traveling without one for sure. And it's risky to the surfboard. So I paid the fee to get it on my plane. And I don't think the fee was too bad because the airline had like a sporting equipment policy that surfboards were covered under it. And I bought a bag for it, which is another investment into this board that was like this cheap board that there's an interesting phenomenon in Bali specifically that's called Bali glassing. And so when they do the fiberglass and like the risen and all the coating on the board to protect it and stiffen it, they do a pretty thin layer. And it's, it's the cheap way to go. And it's in theory can be a higher performance board because there's more flex, but they break easily. And so I took this board from New Zealand to the US and it got crushed in transit, which happens to surfboards. But for some reason, I just loved this board so much that I got it fixed. Um, and I decided to take it out again when I was back home after fixing it. And the first time I paddle out, uh, I got hit by some longboarder and he took, took my fin off. So it was no longer a twin fin, it was now a single fin. And I had a gaping hole where the other oh, no. fin was. And so this is where I started to put like an absurd amount of money and effort into this board. And I went and got that repaired and got new fins for it. And so this board is just becoming a hodgepodge of like different colors and different glassing and new fins and all that. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's the one board that I'll continue to take out almost every trip. It's like that and maybe one other one. Um, I just love the way it rides. And oh, wow, you still ride it? Oh, absolutely. Whoa, the patchwork of various components patched together over years of travel. Yeah, it's, it's definitely become a memento. And I actually, I, I used the outline of that board and the styling of the graphic on it. Um, as a tattoo, as a, like a true memento to that whole trip and um, all that craziness. So that board will forever be with me in one note, one way or another. I, does it still like after you've done all the, the work on it, does it still accelerate? Yeah, I would definitely say 
it, it hasn't changed the feel much. The biggest change was when I had to replace the fins. Those fins were completely different than like the local Bali made ones that I had originally. But otherwise, that thing still rips. It's still a blast. That makes me think about just travel in general and sort of how precious gear can become when you're moving around so much and your environment is changing every day or every other day and faces are changing. And I feel like I get really attached to the constants in that situation, which is usually my gear, my backpack, like whatever I have, that's just the same every day. I definitely remember having, when I was backpacking around Patagonia during my year between high school and college, I had this one buff that I had gotten, I think for my birthday, and it was a buff with a pattern of climbing ropes on it, like blue climbing ropes is really pretty. And I loved that buff and I wore it everywhere. I took it everywhere and it was just, it was something that was this like really sort of safe, like teddy bear, like constant for me as I was moving around and meeting different people and just constantly changing locations and changing places that I slept every night. And it was just, again, like Skylar, like your surfboard, it kind of became like a container for my memories. And every time I looked at it, when I got home, I could remember in all my photos, I had it and it just became the thing that sort of held these memories of my, my trips and my adventures. And I lost it somehow, like midway through college. And I was devastated. It was so sad. And it was like an irrational loss, you know, because it's like a, I don't know, $25 buff that could be replaced like that pattern exists on another buff somewhere but it just it was so heartbreaking for me to lose it because it felt like a piece of yeah an item that had become so personal that I gotten really attached to couldn't be replaced even if I got a new one and I did eventually get a new one because one of my friends years later I saw wearing the same buff with the, the blue um climbing ropes on it. And I was like, man, I really miss that. So I did get a new one, but it's not quite the same. It doesn't hold those memories. And it's weird how attached you can get to, to the old one uh, that just doesn't feel the same when you replace it. We'll be right back after the break. And support comes from Kuat Racks. They just released the Ibex an overlanding truck bed rack that handles substantial loads both on and off the grid because being off the grid is dope. Constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in six different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half height configurations. For more details, visit kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this bed rack and all the dope places you go. Yeah, I feel like I have um, wool socks that definitely need to graduate to the next phase of their existence. <laughs> but it, it's just hard, you know, when you've hiked in them for however many years and they're your trusty socks and they fit just right and they still are warm even when they're wet. And it's like the new pair is a little too slippery and and thick and... You know how socks just become part of your foot and then you can't get the new socks are just not they're not as good but yeah eventually like the, when the entire sole is holes they're not super effective I, was like, I feel like when a sock becomes part of your foot then that's like not a good sign it's like no longer providing the sock the sock abilities 
I definitely was like, I like new socks. Like, <laughs> sock would right. not be the Suit thing. Yourselves. It's strange. And maybe it's because I'm, and I think Becca will attest to this, like, I am super hard on gear for, like, whatever reason. It's like, I'll thrash things, and I definitely, like, wear stuff for long periods of time, and great gear, like, will last, you know, sometimes decades. But I'm, like, really hard on it. And I don't think I, like, invest as much into it because I think I've had things just, like, come and go and be like, whatever, it's just a tool. And maybe it's like, that's, like, how I protect myself from not being nostalgic about it or, or whatever it is. But it does make me realize, like, it's probably, like, all these things that we all have talked about. Maybe it'll make me, like, try to, like, think about the memories that I have with it. And it kind of, like, will bring me back a little bit because it is it's, it's cool to hear about the surfboard or your stinky pair of socks, Cordelia. Or no, no Nobody said they were stinky, all right? That, well, yeah, right? And, that, like, like, I'm sure, like, Lisi probably, like, remembers, you know, every – probably every I mean it's not that big of a bottle but you probably remember every time you like had a little sip out of that cap of the bottle right and it's like it's kind of crazy how that actually ends up being there and I you know Skylar you're probably never going to forget that first ride in Bali right sounds like a moment oh definitely not it's just pretty cool I feel like to like uh, cars they don't necessarily count as gear maybe but they are an important tool for our for fueling our outdoor adventures. And I feel like the attachment to one's vehicle can get like very, very strong. Oh yeah. I've got I've got car stories. I um I had this ninety-six Jeep Cherokee XJ that was like one of the first cars I bought myself. It was like my first real adventure car. And Skylar, I think it's also worth pointing out that that car is older than you. Is that correct? Yes, that car is a bit older than me. In fact, until a couple, until like pretty recently, I've never owned a car that was younger than me. I I have a thing for older cars. What can I say? It drove like an old Jeep. And for some reason, I love that. It was like the softest suspension, just so wallowy on turns. The steering was so loose that it was like almost scary the tires were like pretty bald and it was a little bit overpowered for how light it was but i loved that thing um i loved all its completely quirky flaws and all i remember about it was like taking it out to the beach to go surfing or taking it like out to smith rock for a weekend climbing trip with my friends and um all that good stuff I've got some photos of it just like absolutely loaded down to the point where you can see the rear suspension sagging like inches, inches deep because we loaded it up with like three of us couldn't fit all the people given all the gear we had. I to this day, I regret selling it and I sold it to buy buy a van that I wanted to live out of for a bit, which is another car that I have an attachment to that also had terrible handling and was also older than me. Uh, but to this day, I regret selling that thing. That car was so sweet. I feel like very attached to my mountain bike. I don't know if they're, I know we've talked about like clothes and, and pieces of gear, but I feel like actual, I don't know, skis or bikes or I guess T- Skylar's surfboard is, is similar. But I always think about my bike in, the, in terms of how I feel like people would feel about their horse and get like really close to it and form an attachment with it and you like talk to it and it talks to you and it becomes part of your body and you have this unspoken communication and people think I'm weird but I feel a real bond with my bike and I feel happy when we're 
going out on adventures together. Her name is Lucy because one of my best friends is Lucy and she's a crusher. So that's my biggest gear attachment is probably my bike. It represents that freedom, you know? Yeah, when you kind of break it down into the philosophy of it, it it both doesn't make sense and it makes sense. Like how you could assign so much meaning to an object and that feels kind of silly. But then when you think about what it does represents, like this bike means that I can go just with me and my my own power in the bike. We can go a long way. And like that tool has taught me a lot about myself too. Facing challenge, like pushing myself through difficult spots, feeling so much joy and just freedom, like air fl- flowing by me on the downhills and laughing. And so, yeah, without it, I feel like I actually would have fewer memories or fewer, not as much access maybe to those emotions and those lessons. That's pretty cool. Yeah, right? If I can think of, you know, you're talking about like gear, like it's actually not my piece of gear, but one of our friends who's contributed, Steve, he's contributed to the diaries in the past and you know we've known him for a long time and done various adventures and he's he was like kind of a definitely like a mentor for me in terms of like how to be a dad that gets their kids outside and all his kids are grown now but they have this when it was time for tep he sent me this little pair of pink skis with these like flowers on them they're great and tep learned to ski on those they got shared with another friend when it came time they came back to us and like Wiley had them and this last year like Wiley outgrew them and then we'll pass them on to um, May who's Andrew who works with us little little daughter and it's like crazy to think that I think it's like these sets of skis have basically brought I don't know like seven or eight kids into that world of like sliding down snow and I'll be psyched because they're like going to someone I know and I'll see them because like we'll ski with Andrew and stuff like that and I'll get to see them continue on but it's like that when when they finally like totally disappear i'll be like oh like Mm. i think especially like how many hours has been like spent on a bunny hill like going very slowly or like picking a child up or doing whatever like you know it's like those there's a little bit of my soul left in those skis just bringing the boys up and doing that and it's kind of it's kind of wild so they're not my piece of gear they'll probably never remember them but i sure loved them i sure appreciated them i love that image of the pink flowery little skis oh yeah so many kids lives well it's so funny because they're all little terrors on them too so they're like they look like all cute but there's like these little torpedoes flying down the hill like about to take out your acl so you know (laughs) don't judge a book by its cover (laughs) (laughs) well thanks everyone for sharing your stories today that that was awesome uh, it does make me feel like I've just left like a wake of broken gear that I have no attachment to in my, like, I'm like, oh, hearing all this, I'm like, oh man, they have all these like soulful connections to gear. And I'm like, I just shred it until it's <laughs> gone, <laughs> until I can like warranty it. So apparently I either break gear or I have no soul. I'm not sure which. Well, if you're, if you're not like Fitz and you're like the rest of us and you form <laughs> emotional attachments to your gear, <laughs> we want to hear about those stories. I can barely form emotional attachments to people. Give me a break. It's asking too much. Well, no, but we really want to hear your stories. So ways that you can send them, send us your stories are to post about it on Instagram or Facebook, tag the Dirtbag Diaries, um, comment on our post when we put this on social media. You can also send us an email about your experience at editor at dirtbagdiaries.com. And you can leave us a comment on our website. And you can also record a voice memo on your phone. Keep it to a couple of minutes and send that to us. And we would love to hear it. 
We totally listen to them all. Just don't make them epic sagas. <laughs> Short and tight. But we love them. Seriously, the voicemails, awesome. Well, um, thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, bye. 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 Thank you, Whitney, Gabe, Cordelia, Lisi, Skylar, and Becca. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from BTR and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists or track club. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was edited by Andrew Burton with additional support from Cordelia Zars. Additional production help from Ashley Langholz and Becca Call. Artwork and illustration by Walker Cahal. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.